Let's admit two things. Everybody goes through trials. Now, I admit those trials are not equally distributed. Uh, it seems like some of us have more than our fair share of trials. And it also, let's, the other thing is that pretty often those trials aren't kind of evenly spaced out. They kind of all come at once, right? We experience those things and they just kind of pour on and all those difficulties and loss and grief sometimes just come like an avalanche. The second thing though is, is that not everyone faces difficulties in the same way. Some people seem to just kind of have a, a higher tolerance or seem to kind of go through life in a way that allows them, at least on the outside, to look like they're not being rocked by life storms. And that's definitely true. We have to say, hey, that, you know, we have different personalities, different people react in different ways to life, and that some of that is that. But some of it also is, you know, we've seen that people have really different life experiences. Maybe they've had, uh, uh, they have different level of emotional ability because of what life has dealt them. So they kind of are born with a certain thing. Life has happened to them in a certain way. Uh, but somehow they're able to, some people are able to also continue on and bounce back and move forward. Uh, for example, hey, losing a job is always super hard. It hits us emotionally. It hits us financially. Uh, it, and it's going to be compounded if life is also dealing you, you other difficulties, like you're caring for an aging parent at the same time. Uh, so all of those are a part of our thing, our life experience. But we face things differently. Two different people can have those same set of circumstances, and they'll face them differently. One person is freaking out, and the other person somehow seems to keep some hope. And they, like there's a storm, and they're like the buoy in the storm. It gets bounced around, but it's still floating. So what can we do? How can we and can we even grow in a way so that when life storms hit us, that we don't get knocked off track? How can we be the kind of people who aren't completely shaken? And I want to tell you, I'm confident that each of us can actually grow in this way, that we can become more resilient, that we can, when life storms come at us, that we'll be able to handle it a bit better. And I'm so confident that you can do that because of God's word. But I'm also confident, I'm confident that we're going to be facing life's trials. I'm confident enough that we're going to be able to, that we are facing life's trials, that you're probably going through one right now. We all are facing difficulty. And the Apostle James speaks to this issue because he knows that his readers are going through something, but he also knows that God is faithful and can transform the way that they go through that event how they face their trials. And it's so important, he thinks, this is so important, how we go through our trials, it's one of the first things he says in his letter, right out of the gate. Because if we're going to put our faith into action, he's saying we need to be able to have our faith work itself out in adversity, in difficulty, and in trials. So the question he's going to ask us is, hey, how are you going to handle adversity? And he says this, hey, Christ followers, you are going to have so much joy in God that you're going to be able to follow him not only in peaceful and wonderful times, not only when things are not bothering you or it's just kind of going along, but even in difficulty, even in moments where we are facing trials that we never thought we would face before, 
that maybe we will have new access to joy as never before. Let's, let's read in the book of James. So, James 1, verses 1 to 18. James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. We said before, uh, last week we said that it means it's kind of a circular letter meant for lots of people. It's being sent around to Christians all around uh, the Mediterranean. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But, it, but when you ask, you must, not believe, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits that he created. Father, we ask you to help us now to understand this word and to apply it to our lives, that, that your Holy Spirit may be at work in us, speaking to us even as we hear this, so that our minds will be transformed to be like Christ, that we will be true Christ in this world, we pray in your name. Amen. Well, we are in a message series on the book of James. We've just started, but this is our second uh, sermon on that. Last week, we did an overview on what happens throughout the book. I invite you, if you weren't here, you can listen to the recording of that. Uh, this book takes life and faith very seriously, but he is ultimately very practical. So if you have been troubled before about kind of overly philosophical views of faith, James is with you. He says, I want to talk about where the rubber hits the road. And he is not going to pull any punches. He's somebody who's going to talk about practical faith, and he takes it very seriously. I think it's going to be a great, a great journey for us over the next couple of months. In my first couple of years of college, one of the ways that I would read through my textbooks was that I started with a highlighter. I use a little different method later on, but I would start with a highlighter. So I would highlight in my textbook, which was hilarious, when I would get the used ones, which was the ones that I could afford, and they were all pre-highlighted. Some other people would just highlight the whole thing. That, I was like, what's the point of that? That doesn't help at all. The idea was you're supposed to highlight stuff to stand out, to remember these are the key facts that I need to remember. This is the, this is the thing that I think is going to be on the test. This is going to be the, the idea that I need to actually understand and to draw my eye to those key concepts. 
Well, if we want to change the script for us about the way that we approach the trials in our lives, we're going to need to highlight a couple of things so we can remember them when the time comes up. And I want us to highlight these four words in our passage. These four words are consider, whenever, because, and God. Consider, whenever, because, and God. So we're going to highlight these four words. Let's, let's go ahead and go through them. So first of all, consider. He says, go ahead and go to this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. So he knows they're going to face trials. He knows actually they're probably under some kind of persecution at the time. And even though the, his readers in the first century lived in a culture that's really different than ours, he, first century Christians had the same thing that we do, is that they would love to go through life and have it just be smooth. They want to make it through life without any difficulties. Like me, when my microphone comes on and off. Okay. Uh, so he knew, hey, they're going to have some difficulties. Their difficulties are going to maybe be spiritual. You know, spiritual attacks on their faith. Or maybe great temptation that they would face. But it's also other things. It's, it's financial difficulties. It's natural disasters that happen. Conflicts. Health difficulties and issues and james says hey consider it pure joy no no no, don't get ahead don't go back up you don't tell them what's going on there go back up to the verse there you go okay you didn't even see that you don't even know what that is okay right so so he's saying hey consider it pure joy when you face trials whatever those things might be so he's saying here's how i want you to think about it it is an opportunity for joy because this event and this grief, this difficulty was going to come whether you liked it or not. The question is, how will you consider it? God is speaking through James and saying, hey, you don't have to be glad this is happening, but you are determined to find joy. I want you to face it determined to find joy. Last week, my wife Karen was, uh, she called me and she's like, hey, I need you to come out here and get me uh, because the car died. And uh, we did, it was just a dead battery. It was no big deal, right? And um, so just went, swapped out the battery, got my hands a little dirty. In the scheme of life, this is not a big deal, right? But for Karen, I, I don't think anyone would have expected her to say, I mean, it took a little while, right? And I had to go and back and she did some work. I don't think anyone would expect her to say, hey, I'm glad that this happened. It was inconvenient. But the question is, how are we going to consider it? We can either make that ruin our day or say, hey, you know what? I had a little inconvenience and I can roll along with it. And how much less for us when we are facing a job loss, maybe an illness of somebody we care about or ourselves, Maybe life after a loved one has passed. So if you had a visceral reaction when you heard this, it's like a reaction in your gut when we said, consider it joy when we face trials of many kinds, it may be because you think, why would I ever think that something like that would be good? How could God say that I'm supposed to say that that thing is good? I can never be glad about that thing. 
The nice part is we don't have to. You don't have to think that, it's, that you're happy that it happened or glad that it's happened. He says, consider it pure joy. And another translation says, my brothers and sisters, think of the various tests you encounter as occasions for joy. Because joy isn't the same thing as happiness. Happiness is an emotion that is due to our circumstances, but joy is, an, is a, something that defies our circumstances. And when our circumstances are terrible, we don't have to be happy. I get happy because the food is good or abundant. It doesn't have to be both. It can be just be abundant. I'm happy. Uh, the, because the weather is nice, makes me happy. Get a compliment, you get happy. Go ahead, go ahead and go to that next slide. But joy is an attitude that defies circumstances. It's not the same as being happy. Joy is something we can have in a moment that defies our circumstances. Uh, my mom was a pretty joyous lady. Uh, she had five kids. That defies circumstances, first of all. Um, uh, uh, my, um, my, my sister, she's fourth in line. She's pretty severely handicapped and uh, my mom had a hard life having to be able to care with four crazy boys, four boys. The other ones were all boys. Thanks a lot. And then my sister, the one lovely, wonderful daughter, uh, it, it, was a, it was much more difficult for her and for my mom. And so uh, still life is difficult for my sister. And for my mom to maintain joy in the chaos of those circumstances, I think attests to her holding on to joy in the Lord. But because our natural reaction when life is difficult, like when we face adversity, when tragedy strikes, when there's a, a looming grief that comes to our front door, our natural reaction is for us to have anxiety, to be afraid, to feel lonely, maybe even to feel a certain amount of despair. But what James is telling us is that as Christians, we have resources available to us, a perspective even, that is available to us that other people may not have. That we can decide, even decide ahead of time, that we're going to have a joy that defies our circumstances. And so we can consider it, or decide for it, that we're going to have joy in any circumstance. I needed to highlight that word. Uh, the second highlighted word is this, whenever. So we're going to face these trials, and we're going to face them with joy whenever and however they come up. You know, the whenever also means that, hey, James assumes that we're going to encounter trials. He knows that they're coming. And I want to say it's also, whenever also means any time that, and any type of trial. It can be a big one. It can be a small one. Because trials and difficulties aren't separate from our life and our faith. They're where our faith meets our life. Author Jack Shatama writes this, life is hard. The sooner we realize it, the easier it gets. Stress in life is inevitable. Life is difficult. I recommend this book. It's very good. Um, <laughs> It actually is, but it's helpful. Our own response, here's what he says though. Our own response to the challenges in life is the biggest factor in whether stress will bury us or invigorate us. Our own response determines whether it's going to bury us or invigorate us. 
So this highlighted word, whenever, it's probably the verse actually that made, or the, the word in this verse that really made this whole passage come alive for me this last week in a sense of I kept feeling it over and over again because I said, whenever I run into a trial, whenever I face difficulties, and I, I automatically think about all the big things, but it's also in all those, that daily practice of all the little things. So last month, I was at Costco. Costco in December is a little bit busy the day I was there because everybody in Simi Valley was there the day I was there, okay? But there was one particular, you know, I was, I was outside and I realized, you know what, I need a couple bags of ice. Not a problem because you know what, they've got the icing up front. So I'm going to go through the little self-checkout. It's going to take me two seconds. I'm going to grab, I'm going to pay for it, grab my ice. I'm going to go back out. I didn't even take a basket in because I'm just going to take my ice. Okay, so I go in there. I go up the thing. I beep my thing and the lady goes, oh yeah, there's no ice up front anymore. You have to go to the back. Fine. It's fine. She, she was super nice. She's like, I'll give you a cart. Here you go. That was kind of nice, right? So she gives me the cart, and, I, and, I, and I'm like, I need to hurry. I have to get back to my thing. So I'm hurrying, and I was stuck behind people. But I was in a hurry. Like, I'm trying, I'm just going to run to the back real fast. I'm just getting a bag of ice. I'll let you guys know. I just need an ice. It was super important, okay? And I was in a hurry. And doggone it, if I wasn't writing the study guide question for this particular passage... So I'm pushing my cart and like kind of waiting for the lady in front of me to go a little faster, right? Because you know my thing's important. I said, consider it pure joy, my brother. <laughs> you face trials of many kinds, many kinds. And you know what happened to me is I thought, gosh, you know what? You're kind of right. And it was interesting because I took a moment to go, you need to chill out, Curse. First of all, it's just ice, right? Secondly, to go, man, maybe I can take a moment even right now to pray and to think about this passage. Consider it pure joy. Can I consider even something silly? Can I find joy in that moment? And I'll tell you what, I started to pray in that moment, and it, it actually helped me not to feel so stressed about that moment. I went and got my thing beeped out, left, whatever. But I could consider it pure joy even in the dumb circumstance. How much more in other places? Might be interpersonal conflict that we're having might be financial stress that we're facing parenting in a difficult stage of life maybe maybe the country that you're living in has a US presidential election coming up <laughs> consider it pure joy <laughs> why not right What, in all those situations we're thinking about, what's the difference between it being a problem and a challenge? What's the difference? Because a, a, a problem we know is trouble. It's in the way. It stops us from where we're going. It's like an interruption. But a challenge is something that we rise to meet. It helps us grow. In that same book, Jack Shishtama, he says out, he says that biochemically, there is actually no difference between energy and excitement and anxiety and stress. If you, if you just like took the meters and hooked somebody up to their machines, you wouldn't know whether they were excited or if they were freaking out. So is it a problem? Or is it a challenge? Because physiologically, there's no difference. The question is, how do we interpret it? 
You could interpret the issue as a huge problem filled with anxiety. Or you can interpret it as a challenge for us to rise to face. And, and gosh, wouldn't it change the way that we face the world if we felt like it wasn't a but it was a challenge, an opportunity to grow? That's, that's what James is going to tell us to do in this third word here. He says, our third word that we're highlighting is because. Because. So we have these challenges before us, but they are opportunities for us to grow. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. And he, next he gives the purpose for that, verse 3. Because, because you know that the testing of your faith, go ahead and go to that next slide. Because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Verse 4, let perseverance finish its work. Go ahead and go to that next slide. It, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So, so we choose right now that we're going to view this thing that we're facing as a challenge. It's an opportunity for us to grow because it makes us persevere. And if we stick with perseverance, it's going to make us mature. It's going to move us toward being more mature. So it, it actually serves a purpose. Because. Why are we doing it? Because. It's not, it's not just to be tougher, but because we're moving toward maturity. Uh, one person who understands this is Jocko Willenick. Maybe you know Jocko. He's an American author. He's a podcaster. He's a retired United States Navy officer and a Navy SEAL and kind of like the toughest looking dude you've ever seen. Okay, if you've seen him. Uh, I was, a few months back, I was sent a clip from his podcast about his own personal attitude about facing adversity. And he, when he was talking about adversity, he says, when I hear that something is difficult, I say, it's good. He says it in his like tough Navy SEAL way. Good. good. Like, picture bald guy, very boxy. Good. Good. He said, that thing that didn't happen, good. So here's what he says. When things are going bad, there's going to be some good that's going to come of it. You didn't get promoted? Good. More time to get better. Mission got canceled? More time for preparation. Unexpected problems? Good. We have the opportunity to figure out a solution. And when I heard that, I thought the Apostle James would hear that podcast and go, that's what I was talking about. Yes. Yeah, it's good. Because, why? Well, not just because the situation's good, but because it's causing you to persevere. It's causing you to go farther. You are moving toward maturity. That's what I was talking about. Helps us mature. Because I think if things were always smooth, maybe we wouldn't really grow. Because we just kind of do our thing. And life is going to happen to us, and the question is, are we just going to get more anxious and continue, or are we going to partner with God to move toward maturity? If I asked you to, if you, if you asked me, hey, can you come up with 10 things in your life that you have gotten worried about, tied you up in knots, I can name those things like no problem. We can think of life as, that has happened to me. But of those events, if I think back and look at what those things have done for me, I can think, you know what? God actually brought some good out of that situation. Actually, I'm probably better that that thing happened to me. That's easier to say in, in some circumstances than others. 
But I could see that those things weren't just problems, but they were a challenge for us, and that helped me to grow. So I need to take my eyes off the actual moment I'm in and raise my eyes to something farther out, something bigger than just this really moment. And you know what? That's what James tells us in verse 12. Go ahead and put up verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. He lifts his eyes. He's like, let's look beyond that. Because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. So this challenge is an opportunity for us to grow. And we have to consider it that way, think about it that way. We choose in our mind to do that. And he says, hey, it, the reason why is because we're being made mature. And at the end of it all, we get this crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. There's this beautiful image. All of God's blessings are summed up in this image, this crown of life. And, and it's not actually a reward for perseverance, oddly enough. It's a reward that's given to those who love him. It's given to people who love him. It's all about who we love in the midst of our trials, who we are loved by as we go through these difficulties. And that brings us to our last highlighted word is God. God. And I want to say, when we are in our trials, we do not face them alone. James writes this in verse 13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. And we, we might think initially that James is kind of changing topics here when he gets to this. But it, it's actually the same theme. James is still talking about our response to trials. How do we think about our trials? And it's, it's a pretty small step from, hey, I have a trial and, and I should consider it pure joy and God can use my circumstance to grow me to think, you know what, actually, you know what, the next step is, you know, God ordains things to happen, but then there's one step farther that we're not supposed to go to. We can't allow this. Is that Imagine in a trial or in a difficulty, I give up. And I say, isn't it God's fault? Because God made me do this, so it's not my fault if I give up. It was too much. God should have known this was too much for me. God put me in these circumstances. It was God who tempted me. And James says, no, 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 God doesn't tempt us. God's not the one that's doing that, doing this as a temptation for you. And, and the difference, is, I think, it has to do with where's the responsibility? Who are we putting the blame on? Are we blaming God? We might blame people. We blame God. And we justify ourselves. Hey, everybody knows that I don't do well when I don't have a lot of sleep. When I don't have enough food. So we blame other people when we, we justify ourselves. But what happens here is James is reframing this. He's saying, hey, we can recognize that we have pressures. We have difficulties. And the temptation that happens in us actually comes from within us. The, the reaction that we have comes from within us. Verse 14. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after de desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So, I would summarize it as this. It's not us versus God in our circumstances. Like God is trying to give you something to break you. But actually what's happening is that it is us and our own problems and God is with us in those circumstances. It's us and God against 
our problems. Us and God against this temptation. Us and God against sin. Us and God against death. Because God's the one who gives good gifts. That's how he ends the whole thing. The Father of our heavenly lights gives us good gifts. He is good in character. He is on our side. He's the one fighting for us. So it, we think that we're alone, but God is there fighting with us. And we know that we can have joy in trials because we are not alone. We can easily forget God in our trials, but when it's hard, when we face difficulty, what do we do? We want to pray. Charles Spurgeon, a very powerful 19th century preacher who continues to influence people today, and one of the things that made him great was his ability to capture an indelible image. And he is quoted as saying something that I think that applies terrifically to James. It sums up a lot of this. Go ahead and put up that quote. He says, I have learned to kiss the waves that throw me up against the rock of ages. I've learned to kiss the waves that throw me up against the rock of ages. It's an image of somebody being in the storm and near the shore, and their ship is getting driven against the rocks, and we might despair. We think we're being ruined. But he's saying, hey, the, the, the rocks that we're being driven against are God himself. So these waves and these storms are pressing us, they're pressing us against God. So I end up saying, you know what, I can consider that joy because it's made me pray. It's made me go to God, it's driven me to God in prayer. So he says he's learned to kiss the wave that does that to him. I, I think it's a wonderful summary of consider it pure joy when you face trial of many kinds. And we find joy in those dark places because our Savior has already gone there. We know that God is with us in the difficulty because God proved it to us by his Son. He didn't leave us alone and hope that we would come to him. That's the way that we talk about, uh, that Muslims talk about faith. You need to work hard to make it toward God. But the Christian message is that you couldn't work toward God. In fact, we are sick with problems, but God didn't leave us. He came to us. He came to the darkest places. He was willing to go to the cross for us, to fight for us because we couldn't fight against sin and death, but he could. I know that God is in the darkest places because I know that my God has already gone there. So wherever I may go in my trials and my difficulties, I know that he has gone there because the central piece of Christianity is that we find joy in trial. We sing songs about Christ's death and his sacrifice, his resurrection, and we thank him for giving his life for us. And we, we, that very darkest hour, the darkest hour in humanity when God himself took sins upon him, his own self on the cross, we call that Friday good. It's good Friday because it wasn't the end of the story. Because in the darkness, there was joy because light was going to come that Christ would be resurrected. Because of the resurrection, we find joy. Christ has gone all the way down to the darkest place, and he has risen to the highest place. So Paul says, now he has filled the cosmos with his glory. So we can find joy anywhere, any place that we have been. God has never been absent. God has always been there. 
and that God can bring healing to those very dark places. Maybe dark places that in the past, in your memory, you felt so alone, like God wasn't there. And I think there can be a healing power to go back and remember that, that we can have our sorrows be healed by remembering that God is there. Maybe, maybe you also need to, you need to work on this with a counselor as well. Part of that can be reminding us that God was not absent in those places and that healing can still come. That the joy that we can find might be afterwards. We might have to go back and find some joy later. All right, let's get to this week's challenge. I, it may surprise you what our challenge might be this week. Um, it was hard for me as I thought about what could we do this week that would apply our scripture. I thought, you know what we could do? We could consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever we face trials of many kinds. Let's try that one. How's that? Uh, I think that's a, a good place. The question is, hey, how's this going to change you? It changed how I hurried in Costco. I hope that it changes how I can approach much more difficult things. Maybe it's going to give you a different joy in your relationship, joy in your parenting, joy in retirement. But I think the effect can be really huge for us. This is, this is our faith meeting real life. Because if you're somebody who is finding joy in every circumstance, you're going to start to be inoffendable. Nobody can offend you anymore. You're going to be tough. You're not going to be crushed by life. And you know what, i got to tell you, you don't have to be a Christian to do this challenge. You don't have to be a Christian for you to consider it pure joy, to look for joy in every circumstance. But I want to say for us, for us as Christians, there's an extra challenge for us. It's going to deepen your prayer life, deepen your connection with God, to say this moment is not separate from my, my life of faith. This is my life of faith. God is right there in your difficulty, with you, fighting with you. You're not alone. And we are going to pick up there next week in the book of James. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this word from our brother James. Thank you for the challenge to consider, consider joy and that you may have good gifts to give us even in the darkest places. Maybe the greatest gift is just that we know that you were with us and you got us out of it. You helped us survive that moment. Help us, Father, to walk with each other through difficulty and trial, to not face it alone, but to have God's people with us. Help us to be attentive to others, to be aware, and also to be attentive to ourselves, to recognize places where we are despairing instead of searching and fighting for joy. I pray for a spirit of fighting for joy among us today because it brings glory to you and because it will help us to be more mature too. We pray in Christ's name.